Hi there, I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. I want to welcome you back to my walk through the Psalms Bible study. I want to start us out with a simple question, uh, maybe a few questions that I would ask. Um, if you were to ask, what is God's role in my life? What is God's role in our lives? What is God supposed to do? How would you answer that? My guess is you would probably answer something like, or maybe if this was an opinion popularity poll, I would, it would get something like, uh, God's job is to comfort me. God's job is to uh, guide me. God's job is to provide me with safety and security. God's job is to give me wisdom. Uh, I would say those are all correct. I'd agree with every one of those. They're all biblical. But I'll add one more that I guarantee you nobody would think of, which is uh, God's job is to push us to be aware of things that are disturbing and uncomfortable and sometimes quite awful. Uh, God's job is to expose us to things that will shake us out of our apathy. We clearly know that the prophets do that. The prophets go and they stand in front of kings and priests and, and judges and they yell at them and ream them out about their corruption. They never like it, but they keep doing it. But does God do that with us? Do we think of God doing that with us? Uh, I don't think most of us would like that. Most of us don't deliberately, when things are going well, turn to God and say, God, can you expose me to some uncomfortable truths? But that's very much how God works in the Hebrew Bible. So today we're going to look at Psalm 71, and I'm going to show you that this idea that God's job is to expose us to things and show us things that are maybe even sometimes quite awful uh, is very biblical. Uh, it's a very old idea, and it's a very biblical idea. So let's take a look here at this psalm that I've got posted up. Uh, let's read it through. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Just a simple four verses. But it struck me as I read this, we'll walk through this a little bit here. The very beginning, you who have done great things, O God. Right? So the psalmist is beginning this stanza with giving God honor and remembering what God has done. Very biblical idea. Begin by remembering what God has done. God has done great things. And if God has done great things, then certainly that must mean that God is God, and God is special and powerful, all these different things, right? Who is like you? Interesting question. Why would you ask that? Uh, isn't it obvious that nobody is like God? Except that uh, when you live in a world that's what they call polytheistic, that's got lots of gods, and all the people around the ancient Israelites had lots and lots of gods, it was a legitimate question that people would ask a lot, which is, uh, what makes your, this God better or different than that one? And people did compare. You know, this God is like this one in this way. Uh, people would run into different religions and, oh, this God does fertility. This God does fertility. See, they're, they're, they're alike. The psalmist is saying, who is like you? Asking it as a question, but really, I think, more of a statement. Lord God, 
I know there aren't really others who are like you. You're different than the other gods. What makes the Lord God different than the others? Uh, and so, it gets to verse 20. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Wow. Made me see many troubles and calamities. That's not the image of God, again, that I think most of us would gravitate towards. But it's an interesting idea that it isn't like the troubles and calamities that happen, that God's trying to shelter us from those, that God doesn't want us to see those, that God's trying to uh, save us the pain of seeing them. In, in fact, in this case, it's the opposite. God is the one showing me troubles and calamities, and not just a couple, many of them. And it isn't like the troubles and calamities just sort of happen and God is somewhere around. God is actually doing the showing. The, the idea in there the, is that um, God's putting me in the place where the calamities and the troubles are happening. God is revealing them to me. God is opening my eyes to them. Kind of a different view of God, huh? So I got thinking about this. Why, why would God do that? Why would God be deliberately trying to show us troubles and calamities? Wouldn't God want to be showing us beautiful images of a cloud-filled heaven with harps? Uh, and wouldn't God just want to give us that good, that, you know, that good heavenly vision to help pull us through? Except, think about it. Our world that we live in is full of troubles and calamities. It is, it always has been. Uh, and even today, you know, you, all you have to do is open your news, and I know every generation says this, but all you have to do is, you know, look in your news and what do you see? You know, uh, Kentucky's getting washed out, um, Ukraine is in the middle of a war, and there's horrible troubles and calamities happening all over the place, and we need to know what's happening. We should be aware of the things that people are doing to other people and the hardships that people are going through. If we are people who are open to caring for one another, we have to know the troubles that they're going through to be able to care for them while it's happening. And if there's an injustice and an oppression in the world, we need to be aware of that. We need to be shown that so that we can do something about it. We aren't likely to do anything about something we don't know even happens, right? So how are we going to know this? God puts them in front of our eyes. You know, I think about, I think about uh, wars, you know, and again, talking about Ukraine, this came to my mind. There's reports. I don't know if they've been able to verify them, but Ukrainian soldiers are claiming that they've seen Russian troops burning their own dead that there'll be a battle, there'll be a whole mess of Russian soldiers dead, and that the Russians themselves will take the, all the bodies of all these young men and they'll just torch them. They'll set them all on fire and dump what's left into a giant hole and try to bury it over and run because Vladimir Putin does not want the Russian people seeing young men coming home in body bags uh, because he knows that if people see the awfulness and the ugliness and the pain and the death that's going on in his invasion for imperial honor or whatever's going through his mind. Um, 
when they see the body bags, they'll be a lot less, they'll be a lot less supportive of the war. So his goal is to hide the casualties. He hides the casualty reports. Uh, we don't even know. He claims it's 15,000. Uh, Ukrainians say it's 80 or 90,000. It's hard to verify some of these things. I would guess a, I guess a higher number is probably more likely. But he's not the first person to do this, right? I mean, the U.S. did that during the Iraq War. Uh, there was orders right from the top that cameras were not to be sitting there when the transport plane opens up and all the coffins with American flags get rolled out. The, the, the leadership at the time did not want us seeing American boys coming home in coffins because they knew American support for the war might waver if we saw what we were going through. If we were exposed to the troubles and calamities, if it was in front of our eyes and our minds were made aware of it, we might want to do something about it, better to hide it. What does God want for us? Does God want us to be ignorant and happy? Does God want us to be living our lives as if others aren't suffering? Or does God want us to be aware of the suffering that others are going through so that we can do something about it, so that we can get involved in it? I mean, that's certainly what Jesus did, right? Uh, he didn't stay away from the suffering. He went and got himself involved in it. It was just a, it was a very powerful idea that struck me as I was reading this, this idea that this is what God does, that God deliberately puts hard things in front of us to shake us out of our apathy, to be more loving. So being loving isn't necessarily an easier life. In fact, most of the time, being loving is a harder life because you're taking on all this pain and suffering around you. I know, not terribly inspiring, but on the other hand, it is more honest, isn't it? I mean, our world isn't an easy place. So God shows me troubles and calamities, but, but as is typical in the Psalms, um, the God who shows me troubles and calamities, verse 20, will revive me again. Revive me again. It's part of what makes this God different from the others, right? Uh, Gilgamesh or Baal or, you know, Ishtar, whoever it is. They will not revive you. There, you just see the world as it is, and, um, well, that's it. Um, some may have a heavenly paradise. If you're an Egyptian pharaoh, I suppose, the belief was you would have a paradise. But that was really kind of reserved for the people who could afford to get the boat over the sticks and all that kind of stuff. It, the commoners didn't get as much of a share in that. But this is the Lord God saying, look, you've shown, the Lord God who has also shown me terrible things, which should break me down, will also revive me. The same God who shakes me out of my apathy by exposing me to the painful realities of the world is also the same God who gives me the strength to bring me up, to bring me back from the pain I've been in, um, not to protect me from it, but to revive me after it. Think about Jesus here, right? Uh, Jesus is not just shown troubles and calamities, he has them inflicted on him, and he is revived again. And you get to the second half of that verse. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. That's an interesting uh, kind of a metaphor. Remember again in the Old Testament, there's no hell. There's not a place with fire and a guy with tights and a pitchfork. Uh, there's just a place called Sheol, and it's underground, 
it's where all the dead go. So if you die, you go to Sheol, good or bad. But isn't it interesting? Um, many Psalms will say that one cannot come back from Sheol. This one kind of implies that you can. Unless it's speaking purely metaphorically, um, like God's bringing me back up again. But the image is rather specific. From the depths of the earth, instead of just saying, when I was down, God lifted me up. You know, when I was walking by the seashore, he carried me. This is the depths of the earth. This is deep down. That's where the bodies go. And God will revive me again. Whether that's in a spiritual way, because who doesn't talk about a sense of spiritual emptiness uh, or loneliness or depression as depths, right? We use that kind of imagery. Um, we use being down in the depths as a way to talk about it. But I also can't help but wonder if the psalmist is really trying to tell us in a way this, this particular psalmist believes that when we go through these hardships, these troubles and calamities, when we suffer getting ourselves involved in them, that God doesn't just revive, that God revives us and brings us up from the depths of the earth. Again, interestingly, again, again, has God done this before? I guess so, right? God's done it before and God will do it again. It'll do it again. And then verse 21, you'll increase my honor and comfort me again. Oh, good. So you expose me to calamities. You, you bring me back up. Then I get my honor and my comfort. The honor and the comfort don't come until after you've been through the calamities and the hardships. Um, and again, being an honor-shame society, getting honor from God uh, is very important. Restoring honor within the community is considered an essential thing. So when one is beaten down, one loses honor, right? So uh, that's, all I, that, that's what I got for today. Let me see, let me fix this here. Um, that's what I got for today. Psalm, Psalm 71, some things to think about. And you can think about that in your own, like, uh, in your own prayer life, in your own devotions, in your own reflections. Uh, what are ways that God has exposed me to uh, uncomfortable, maybe even painful things uh, for, to push me to be more loving, uh, to push me to be more divine, and how has God helped to bring me up in those times? All right, thanks for watching. I hope you'll tune in next time. Have a great week. God bless.